Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, again, welcome and Merry Christmas. And you've heard the, uh, you've heard the story of the birth of Jesus. You've heard it read and sung. And I'm going to read a slightly different scripture to you. I want to share with you from Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. So hear the word of the Lord. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Amen. I want to talk to you today about our hope and salvation. So I wonder, are there a lot of uh, board games going on in your house? Anybody got a board game going? Is there anyone who's got a board game going that is not yet done? It's sitting, waiting for you when you get back to the house. Right there? Monopoly, Risk, one of those? My son, uh, Liam, my youngest son, he's 10. He just learned backgammon. And backgammon is a, a fun game. Does anybody know backgammon? Yeah, you tried that one? Okay, backgammon's pretty fun. But there's a part in backgammon where you kind of know how it's going to end. Like, you know who's winning. And, uh, and really, there's no way to catch up. So you just have to keep rolling the dice you know, to get to the bitter end, but there's no hope. And so we were at that place with uh, my son, Liam, and, and, uh, and, and I was kind of looking at him thinking, man, he's got to be kind of feeling hopeless, you know, because I'm so good at this, you know. <laughs> and then I had a, a thought, A.C. Ducey. Anybody ever heard of A.C. Ducey? Just a couple people? This is a thing in backgammon where if you get the worst roll that you can get in backgammon, a one and a two, they call it AC Ducey. And what, do you, what you get to do is you take the one and the two, and then you pick whatever doubles you want, and then you get to roll again. And so in one turn, the whole game can turn around. And so I told that to my, my son, Liam. Hey, we could play this AC Ducey. And I gave him just a little more hope. And we played again. And he beat me. I, uh, I learned that A.C. Ducey came, came to be. It started actually a Navy ships during World War I. Maybe they just need a little more hope, a little more hope. Maybe you don't know backgammon or don't follow all that. Uh, here's the point. Here's the point. Sometimes the very worst thing to happen to you can become the occasion for everything to turn around, for everything to turn around. But you've got to have hope. We've been talking uh, all month about hope here at this church for Christmas. What's our hope grounded in? Can we have hope? Hope is a word that gets used in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of college students home for the the holiday, and you could ask a college student, you know, how are you going to do? Are you going to pass that final exam? And they'd say, well, I hope so. You say, well, did you study? No. Did you read the book? No. Did you go to class? Not much. So you say, well, <laughs> I hope you do too, right? That's, that's one way to, to use the word hope. 
my, uh, my grandparents used to have a, a ski rental, and they decorated it with a bunch of, of decorative baskets. And one time they came up there, and all the baskets were gone. And they opened up the guest book, and someone had written in the guest book, ran out of kindling, used the baskets, hope you don't mind. So, so that's, that's one way to use the word hope, you know? Hope this, hope that. Well, what is hope anyway? Hope is an optimistic confidence in the future. It's not some whistle-in-the-dark thing. It's an optimistic confidence in the future. That's a definition of hope. But there has to be, if you're going to have an optimistic confidence in the future, there's got to be something underneath it. There's got to be something substantial to hold on to, to say, this is why I have an optimistic confidence in the future. If you're the, if you're the CEO of Blockbuster, for example... It doesn't matter how much optimistic confidence you have, does it? There's nothing out there for you. I'm sorry. If you are the CEO of Blockbuster, I'm sorry to be the one to, to let you know that today. How much optimistic confidence in the future can you have? What's your hope based on? What's up underneath it? Is there a foundation to your hope? Because, friends, one thing we cannot do is lose hope. I can't imagine what's worse than losing hope. And maybe just already this month, you've had a number of things that you hoped for. You know, things that you hoped would materialize. Like um, things that you hoped, you hoped to find the right present. You hoped the snow would be good. You hoped, the, you know, that the, the, the Christmas would, would go well. You hoped that the Christmas bonus would come. And that it wouldn't be a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club, right? And you hoped for other things. You hoped the family would come together. You hoped that Christmas would feel right this year. Some of those things, maybe they happened. Some of them, maybe they didn't. But the strange claim that we make as we gather together, the strange claim that we make around the birth of Jesus, the strange claim is that hope isn't truly found in any of those things. I mean, the the claim that we make is that hope, real hope, true hope, has something to do with God and, and a baby and a little town called Bethlehem. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Okay, all that is just to give you a date. That's just to give you a time stamp. This is a when. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. That's all just to give you a place. That's to give you a location, Bethlehem. It's still there. You can go visit it just outside of Jerusalem. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In a time and in a place, there was a baby. 
and they laid him in a manger. It wasn't one of those mangers like you see all the time, those wooden mangers. That, uh, those, those wooden mangers come from Europe where those paintings were all painted. In Israel, mangers are more like this replica right here, kind of a stone box carved out where the animals would come and feed. This is where animals would, would beef. It's where animals would munch. It's a muncher, you see? That's what a manger is, a muncher. And the animals would come and they would, they would munch in a, in a manger just like this. The stone manger here. And it says that, that Mary wrapped the baby up in cloths. Now, I'm actually, I'm a dad. We have four kids. And, and, and when our kids were little, I was actually pretty good at this. The swaddling, you know, you wrap the blanket in a certain way. I called it the baby burrito. And it was tight. I mean, their eyes were popping out. So somehow, somehow, it's a strange claim to make, but hope, hope, is found in a, a baby burrito lying in a muncher. <laughs> How could that be? Well, why did the baby come? Why did the baby come? Friends, this world has problems. Has anybody noticed? Have you seen a couple go by? This world has problems. There is not a single soul happy with this world the way it is. Not a single one of us in this room. Not a single one you could find when you ask a few questions. There's something wrong with this world. And we feel it. We feel it. As we gather here at noon on Christmas Eve, there's many of us that are here. We're doing fine. We're doing good this year. But there are many of us here as we gather who have a rock in their stomach and tears just behind their smile because this year has been hard. Betrayed by a friend, attacked by an illness, standing over a grave saying goodbye to someone that you love. Something is wrong and we can feel it. Something isn't right and, and we experience it. And we know that there's something off. And we want to ask God, what is your answer to all this? Aren't you going to do anything to fix all of this? Don't you care? Friends, God has done something. Something surprising. God has entered it. God has come into this world. The baby in the manger is God come to earth to join in it, to feel it, to suffer it, and to make it different. When you think about the best friends and family members in your life, one of the things that you look for is empathy. Empathy. Can this person feel what I'm feeling? Can they sit with me when it hurts? Can they just simply be there? And we want to ask, is God like that? Does God have empathy? Can, is God willing to feel what I feel? This manger says yes. The baby was named Jesus. And he grew up to be a man who did and said some outlandish things. Some wild things. Things like, things like your soul is hungry. I'm the bread of life, feed on me. Or, or you, your heart is burning with thirst. I am a wellspring of water overflowing into your life. Or you've been stumbling through life in the dark. 
I'm the light. I'm the light. Walk with me. Jesus said, I'm a good shepherd. I'll take care of you. He said, walk with me. Follow me. Jesus said at one point, I'm a vine. Hold on to me. And you will feel life coursing through you to bear beautiful fruit. He claimed to be a redeemer, a savior, a messiah. Some people really loved him for that. Some people really hated him for that. And they came up with a plan to kill him. And in a shocking surprise, he let them. He died on a cross. But he didn't stay dead. And all of this, from the the infant to the man, to the cross, to the tomb, to the skies, all of this was God entering the world to begin a revolution, a cosmic turnaround to heal the world. And if you believe in it, if you open your heart to it, if you believe in it, you can be a part of it. In fact, it was what you were made to do. I want to show you Psalm 62, this classic Christmas passage, right? No, that's pastor joke. That's pastor humor. This is not a classic Christmas passage. But I want to show you Psalm 62 anyway. Are you with me? And I want to ask you, uh, do you ever talk to yourself? Anybody ever talk to themselves? Who is it that said, of course I talk to myself. That's the only time I have a conversation with someone I agree with. You know? The funny thing about the Psalms is that they tell you to talk to yourself. Look at verse, verse 5. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. It's like the author of the psalm. It's like David has to talk to himself. He has to tell his soul. Soul, find rest in God. That's where you find rest. Don't go chasing over there. You already tried over there. Don't run around back there trying to find satisfaction or hope or joy. You already went back there and it didn't work out. Where are you supposed to turn? You talk to yourself. You talk to your soul. You say, soul, turn to God. Find rest in God. My hope is in Him. You might need to talk to your soul like that. But then it goes on. I want to show you something that's, that's pretty special. It goes on, verse 6. It says, Truly, He is my rock and my, say it together, salvation. If you've got your own Bible, you can underline that. If you've got a friend's Bible, underline it anyway. Give it back to them. They need to know this. Goes on and says, You are my rock, you are my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. What's he saying over and over again? The Lord is my rock. He's my salvation. He's my refuge. Where's my hope built? Well, God is a firm place, God is a solid rock, God is a place to stand. And to know that you are safe and secure in Him. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And to have the Lord underneath you is to know that you are, you are seated. You're founded on the rock of salvation. Like this solid stone manger here. You've got something up underneath you. The rock. But it says He's my rock and my salvation. 
my salvation. That word, salvation, in Hebrew, it's the word Yeshua. Anybody recognize that word? Jesus. Jesus. You see, we miss that sometimes in our own understanding and our reading. When Mary and Joseph were told, you name the child Jesus, that was a word that they knew. It was a word that they had heard. It was a word that they understood. Jesus is my salvation. Jesus is my rock. He is my hope. He is my safe place. He is Savior of my soul. You've got to train your soul. Convince your soul. Direct your soul. Say, yes, soul. Find your rest in Jesus. He is your rock. My hope is built in nothing else. There's an old hymn called The Solid Rock, and it has this line, and uh, we sneak it in from time to time. So we've gone through the series. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I always wondered singing the hymn what the sweetest frame was about. What does that mean? Well, I learned that Edward Mote, the author of the hymn, was a cabinet maker. And he wrote most of his hymns kind of walking on the way to work, hanging cabinets in London. If you have ever tried to make and hang a cabinet, anybody? You cannot trust the sweetest frame. I'm telling you. It can look perfect on the ground, and when you hang it on the wall, those cabinets are hanging wonky like that, and the doors never shut. It's rough. You need a solid place to stand. My hope is built on nothing less. Moat, uh, he grew up without the Lord, with no faith. He said at one point, I was so far from God, I didn't even know there was a God. He grew up on the streets of London just making trouble, just trying to have fun, just uh, you know, trying to find life wherever he could find it. And that life didn't hold him up. He cannot trust the sweetest friend. And then he found Jesus. And he gave him his life. Not just as an add-on, maybe I'll think about Jesus from time to time. Not just as sort of some, something, a condiment on the side. No, no, no. He found Jesus. And he gave him his life. And he recognized Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And all of a sudden he found, I've got a place to stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He gave all that he had to Jesus. But he had a history, you see. He had had a past. He had made mistakes. What hope is there for someone who's made mistakes in their past? He said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The original title of that hymn, he originally titled it, The Immutable Basis for a Sinner's Hope. Isn't that a nice title for a hymn? You guys would like that, wouldn't you? Only thing better would be if it was in Latin. The immutable basis for a sinner's hope. Well, what is the immutable basis? Solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and what he has done to seek and to save the lost, to forgive 
sinners like me. In the infant Jesus, God has taken on flesh and blood to change the world and fix the future. And the miracle of Christmas is that this very same God that made all things, made this this strange rock that called earth, and the same God who fashioned all of us, each of us, and all of our complexity and beauty, that very same God has come to be our hope and our salvation. God took on blood. And that blood was spilled when the Son of God was handed over to brutal authorities and died on a cross. On that day when the distilled concentrate of all the poison of this world was poured out on Jesus. And he died. When he rose again, the revolution was begun. My hope is built on nothing less but that God in Jesus became human to save sinners like you and me. The curse that makes all the world ache is cured by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And friends, those who know that cure, those who know that cure, can find hope and even joy in the middle of suffering and hardship. They can. They can. And they don't have to pretend that their suffering isn't real. They don't have to whistle in the dark with some empty hope. You see, because the suffering is real. It really hurts. It really aches. It really disappoints. And it really is overcome by Jesus Christ. And those who know that cure find hope even in suffering. But those who do not know it, those who do not know it or understand what Christ has done, I I believe, listen to me, I believe they are forced to choose between a direction of hopeless cynicism or a direction of relentless self-improvement and striving. See, you've got to choose then. I'm either going to just give up. This is as good as it gets. There's no hope for change. Nothing will ever be different. And so I've just got to just accept it. I'm going to find some kind of of dulling, numbing self-medication to get me through because I know it never gets any better than this. Hopeless cynicism or, or a track of relentless striving and self-improvement that says, if only I could do it better, if only I could perform better, if only I could, I, could, I could earn more, then it wouldn't hurt so bad to go through this life. Hopeless cynicism, relentless striving. Friends, only in Christ, only in Christ can you suffer genuinely and hope fully. Only in Christ. Why? Because in Christ, suffering produces hope. Christ has suffered all suffering, and he's come out the other side with victory and blessing in his right hand. And he can sit with you in the pain. And he can console you in the suffering. And he can offer you hope because he has won the victory. Our hope is built in nothing less. So I want to ask you, what were you hoping for? If you think back a year ago, what were your hopes for 2019? What were, what were you hoping for the year ahead? Can you name a few things? I'll give you a minute. Take as much time as you want.
I've got plenty of time. A few things. What can you think of that you were hoping for? Things in your, at work, things at home, things in your own spirit. You got them? Some of those hopes, they become celebrations. Some of those hopes, they've become disappointments. As you pitch forward into 2020, are you inclined to lift your hopes, to raise your expectations, or are you inclined to tone them down? Friends, what I'm saying to you today on Christmas Eve is that when your hope is founded in Jesus Christ, when your hope is founded in the victories of Jesus, then all of your projected anxieties are replaced by His secured Victories. When your hope is in Jesus, you have a foundation for hope and optimistic confidence in the future with Him. This world of disappointment, what is God's answer? It's right here. This is the immutable basis, the immutable basis of hope. And every year we celebrate it. What is God's answer? It's in this cradle. It's Jesus, my rock my salvation, my hope. And those who rest on Him can have hope. Hope that life will not end in death. Hope that all things will be restored. Hope that the good things in life, the beauty, the love, the joy, that these are not accidents of biochemistry, but this is the real stuff of life. Hope. They can hope in Jesus because God has come in Jesus Christ and the future is different. You might want to take a minute and talk to your soul about that. Our hope is built on nothing less. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the joy of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, time with family and friends and all the celebration. We thank you, Lord. You're worthy of that celebration and more. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to speak to our souls with courage and direct ourselves to where hope is truly found. Found our lives, Jesus, on your solid rock of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.